0: Um. Alec, is your door closed?
1: Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> and you have no reason or evidence to believe otherwise. <laughs> That's a pretty good cold open. Yeah, it's not I like bad. That. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> Evening, <goals. laughs> Good evening, ghouls. <laughs> it's a better cold open than whatever my dumbass would have thought of. <laughs> Good evening, ghouls. We this is a podcast, in case you're unaware. <laughs> it's it's possible that you've been, I don't know, thrown into the back of a uh a, a crown vic uh from the nineties and your hands and legs are duct taped together, you have no idea what's going on, and you just hear some voices in the darkness. I don't know why your captors would have done this, but your current form of torture to a podcast. Yeah, it could be a form of torture. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're playing this in the cell of like some prisoner at Gitmo, and they're just like doing this on repeat over and over again as a form of psychological torture. Mm, Isn't that crazy like... that Gitmo's real and that it, like we just don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> I know this, what this
0: that
1: is. is. Guantanamo Bay.
0: Oh, okay. I actually do know what that is. Commonly
1: <laughs> <laughs> abbreviated as Gitmo. I didn't know this that. This is
2: actually the podcast where we review a podcast today.
1: So. Uh, is there any particular podcast in mind that we're reviewing? Or are we reviewing um, ourselves? The, the Last we're, of Us. We're reviewing
2: The Last of Us. Podcast. And its respective podcast. <laughs> well, Who are we now? I mean, Robert the, and I are. This
0: week where we actually review
1: a podcast, even though we've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. So, do I do the blurb? Is this, an, uh, is this an episode type where I do the blurb? Yeah, you do it the is, blurb. Right? Good evening, ghouls, which we may <laughs> have said my, one time or another. My name is Alec, as you may have surmised, uh, and uh, I recently discovered I was basically media literate, so to get caught up, I joined the Undead Poets Society, which is ruled by Robert hey. and Becca, Wah. in that order. <laughs> That's a, that's a callback that's what we call a callback in the business we call a goddamn callback in the business if anyone listened to the episode before this one um if you haven't read or watched today's subject go do your homework and avoid spoilers so that you can see what she Oh she- <laughs> well,
0: i'm keeping that in so
1: you can see whether or not you agree with our opinions and there's a lot of homework to do in this situation because you're either playing an entire AAA. $60 video game and or watching 14 hours of a of a highly valuable like high value production produced HBO show um, but any we're 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 watching The Last of Us and boy we're, howdy we're reviewing it
0: <laughs> and by the end of the episode we're gonna raise our experiences from the dead in the form of like cordyceps like cordyceps like cordyceps would you look at that the a circle. Full circle. The a
2: circle ring, of if you will. A ring, ring a fungal ring. This
0: worm show hurt really bad. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I like and
2: it. Only hurt worse when I listened to the podcast. It just got worse and yeah. worse. <laughs> I. Was I supposed to listen to the
1: podcast? No, the no, it was just podcast? it was just like a behind oh, okay. the scenes thing. Like, when did I forget this assignment? <laughs> no,
0: no, it's not an assignment. It was just like a behind the scenes thing that I listened to, and then I was like, wow, this is very like very good behind behind the scenes like insight. Um, and Becca
1: decided to listen to it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I have watched entire shows, entire franchises that didn't have the meat on the bones that episode three had alone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost. I I, I haven't played the games before, but we were watching with somebody who has, and that, that story is implied in the games, but these writers wrote it themselves. You know what I mean? Which is fucking wild that they would both take an entire episode to do that and have it turn out the way that it did. And it's now, side-by-side burned into my brain like the first half hour or 20 minutes of Up, which is some bullshit.
0: (laughs) I, man, it had had been a while since I cried as hard (laughs) as I did. Alec had to mute himself. I and had to myself on the Discord. Becca got up and consoled me because I was just <laughs> weeping, <laughs> like just tears streaming down my
1: fucking face. Because Becca's it not a, a man; lot. she can't understand you're <laughs> right, the complexity you're right. of a of a of a relationship between two best buds. You know, mm. just two platonic just
0: guys, two roommates. <laughs> yeah, just two roommates. <laughs>
2: um, I can do the recap if we want. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Please. Um. So basically, this is gonna be a super condensed version, but <laughs> um, Joel Miller um, is alive in 2003. He has a daughter who's 14 years old. Um, when a uh, pandemic hits the world, um, fungal band pandemic of cordyceps, which they open the show explaining what it is on like a talk show, um, which if you don't know what cordyceps is, then like. Where are you? Um, it's a fungus <laughs> that takes control of the the minds and bodies of insects, and it somehow made its way up the food chain to humans. So basically like mushroom zombies. And um, Joel's 14-year-old daughter dies in their attempt to escape to safety um, at the hands of a soldier. And flash forward 20 years... Um, Joel is kind of living on his own, like from day to day, just trying to like survive for whatever reason. And um, his brother has been lost. Um, Well, just like not responding to um, communications. From Joel and so he wants to set out and find like a car battery in this broken dystopian well not dystopian like post-apocalyptic world um, to drive across the United States from Boston to somewhere in Wyoming to um, find his brother and in leaving he stumbles upon Ellie um, where in the show he is given Ellie to transport somewhere out west um, Along the way, they encounter a lot of friendly people and unfriendly people. He finds out that Ellie was bitten, but is immune. Um, And all of it comes... They find his brother Tommy in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where they've made a very successful community. And um, they decide to continue... Um, to try and find the hospital where the um, rebel group of that that's called the fireflies are going to attempt to make a cure using Ellie's blood or body. Um, they arrive there um, and get knocked out by the the guards who didn't realize who they were. When they wake up, when Joel wakes up, he speaks with um, Marlene, who is the leader of the fireflies who tells him that um, she's very grateful that Joel has made the sacrifice of um, giving Ellie up, and he realizes that they're going to have to kill Ellie in order to make a vaccine, um, and he is not okay with that, so he risks the lives of the entire human race to save Ellie, this girl that started out as Cargo and has become his surrogate daughter, and um, they just keep going. And... um, that's really told from the perspective of Joel because the show is mainly i mean the game you're playing through Joel's eyes but um this story is just a, as much about El or a, about Joel as it is about Ellie and um i don't know how we're going to do this in less than an hour or <laughs> just over an hour because um there is an enormous amount of of feelings and content and storytelling to unpack. I think um, I'm really excited.
0: I think importantly, too, at the end, they don't like get away by like escaping or whatever. Oh, no. Joel systematically murders every single person in the compound, except for a couple of nurses um, that he comes across in order to get Ellie back and then lies about it at the end and tells her this lie that they're not even looking for a cure anymore because they found other people like Ellie. And she asks him at the end, like...
2: Swear to me.
0: Yeah, swear to me that it's not all bullshit. And he swears to her and lies to her face. Um, And
2: uh, it's up to you whether or not she believes that. And we can go back all the way to the beginning. I mean, there's a second season, so there's
0: no way she can believe it for long. (laughs) Well, the the
2: second season is the second game. Yeah. So... if we you've played, played it, the game, so then you know where it goes, it. <laughs> or if you watched gameplay, you know where it goes. But uh, All I, know which I, is I don't. She learns how to play a guitar. Um,
0: I don't know if I loved the ending at first. I didn't know if I loved the ending at first or I hated it. Um, I felt a little bit disappointed because it felt like I think Alec was the one that said it felt front loaded,
1: um, which I do agree. Um, very front loaded and pretty short in comparison to the other yeah. episodes so I think the 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 the, the expectation that got uh, kind of like mangled was like there was so much action in the beginning and then it kind of like bottoms out and because of the duration of some of the earlier episodes I figured like this is like the the season finale which are usually longer yeah. sometimes even twice as long depending on the series you know and so I thought that we were like in a mid lull um, and we were going to go from like a really action-packed beginning set piece to some kind of like crazy cliffhanger type, uh, like sequence at the very end in order to finish out the the series. Um, and we just didn't pull out of that bottoming out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they they got just back to Jackson Hole.
2: And uh, yeah, the
1: the episode ended earlier than I thought it did. I didn't hate it. I never hated it. It was just like I was I was shocked almost like when the episode ended, I was like, what? (laughs) Like it's over.
2: And here's the thing is that what they kept saying in the podcast, so the podcast, if you're unfamiliar, um, is the, I can't remember anyone's names, but the, it's hosted by the, the man who plays Joel in the games. And he is, um, kind of interviewing the writer of the game and the writer of the show. And they both, they both showrunners made the show together. They're both showrunners. Um, so the show and the game are very closely connected because it's not a suits production. It was, the show was, came about because the, uh, Craig, he's the guy who, I can't remember anyone's last name, but Craig is the one who wanted to write the show and he came to Neil. Like he was like, I want to make this show. And they're like, oh no, Neil the writer of the game has that. And so they got together and, um, Craig had played the game and was very, very, it was very, very dear to him. So anyway, um, it's, it's very beloved. It's not just like a, someone a saw a cash cow. It's a work of love. And something that they kept saying in a lot of places was that like, because it's an adaption of a video game, which has to be action packed, like it, even though this is notoriously a narrative game, It has to have action, and it does have action. And those action sequences are neither um, appropriate nor compatible for the medium. Like, It just doesn't work to do the same things in the game in a lot of places. So a lot of things have changed, a lot of things didn't. Um, And one thing they kept saying about that in particular, like the fact that there wasn't as much action in certain sequences, um, was that there wasn't a lot of action like, physical action, necessarily, but there's a lot of emotional action. Mm. And so in the last episode, starting with the last episode first, I guess, we get a lot (laughs) of, like, very intense, front-loaded physical action with Ellie being born um, and a zombie biting her mother as she's born um, and then her mother having to die, like, ugh, and then just cutting straight to an incredibly emotionally packed rest of the episode where Ellie is coping with this trauma of just having been kidnapped and uh, like sexually assaulted by a grown man and having to kill him to get out. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a while it's spring. It's not winter anymore. So they've passed time. And, uh, It's just unpacking that and then her becoming a new person because she has to because you cannot stay that same person. Um, So I think the last episode, really interesting because I also was shocked. I mean, I hadn't played the game, so I thought that it was going to end with them. I don't know what really not the way that I thought it was going to end. But um, I did think a lot about it. And after listening to the podcast felt a lot better about it um because i didn't know what to expect and it wasn't i mean it was not what i was expecting and it was but it was still really i think even more beautiful having thought about the story another time and having realized um what the makers of this show really achieved
0: the the thing that they said that really made it work for me was something that they talked about in the very first episode. And they said something along the lines of, like, love is not a universally good thing. Bad things happen because of love all the time. Um, And that's what made it really click for me, is, like, if you look at it objectively, Joel did a horrible, horrible thing. And even as you're watching it, you're you're like, no, Joel, don't do it, don't do it. But at the same time, like... You kind of want him to, you know what I mean? You like you have to save El or Ellie, you know what I mean? You have to save her, and like, yeah, it like it, it it's very it, it it makes me very conflicted, but looking at it at the looking at it through the perspective of love is not a universally good thing, um, I think makes it work for me a lot more.
2: Mm. Um, I. <coughs> Have mentioned this on the podcast before. I know because I I mentioned it in the very first episode uh, when we talked about the Dead Poet Society, and I've talked about it since about the idea of love and true love and um what it defines love and the kinds of love that we can share and pure love. Um, and I studied this a lot more like listening to the podcast than I did watching it not that that wasn't in my mind while I was watching it because it's very obvious that that's a theme but um I I thought of that as well like that that idea that like not everything is good like not only good things come from love because I mean love is is passion for for something and um not everybody has the same tastes, <laughs> I guess you could say, in a very delicate way. Um, but I mean wars are started over love, and people die over love. And in the end, um, humanity could possibly be extinct because of the love that he ha- that Joel has for Ellie. Um, something that I thought was really interesting was that they shared um, they did a poll with the game and like whether or not Joel did the right thing, and people who had never had children, um, it was kind of like split fifty-fifty, like whether or not he did the right thing. But when they polled, um, parents, one hundred percent with no exceptions, every parent who played the game said that he did the right thing. In, in saving Ellie instead of mankind, and um, um. It kind of did
0: the thing that I wished Knock at the Cabin did.
2: Mm, absolutely. You know what I mean? Where, like, yeah.
0: they say fuck everyone else and choose their family. Uh-huh. Joel, my boy Joel, he did it. He did it. <laughs>
2: because he, yeah, I mean, he couldn't do it. He tried to do it in the first place. It was out of his control to save Sarah. But um, another thing that I thought about when... Um, like, in, in contrast with that scene when he saves Ellie and he just goes on that rampage of, like, killing everyone out of not anger, but out of necessity. Because if anyone else is left alive at the scene, then they could come back and kill him. And that's not... Or not him, but kill Ellie, because he doesn't care if he dies. But um I just kept thinking, like... It's so awful because these people are other people's children, too, you know, like every person that he kills is someone's ellie, and um but you can't think of it that way, especially not in like a <laughs> a like post apocalyptic a post apocalyptic um society or world like you can't think of everyone else, and that's kind of the the tragedy of of love is that it becomes so self-centered. You can't really have love for the entire world because it has to, like, you, it doesn't make sense. It has to run out and you have to love means that you're protecting from something. And if you're protecting everyone from each other, it just doesn't work. Like what parts are you going to save?
1: Yeah, I was, I was worried about Joel's morality. It like the morality of his character design. i I'm, I need to self-report as someone who has not played the games, so uh, go away if <laughs> whatever I'm thinking would have been solved by playing the game first. <laughs> um, my So yeah, I was worried about the morality uh, in Joel's character design specifically because they were kind of like playing this uh, anti-show-don't-tell game at the beginning of the uh, series. It was... Mm, no, it wasn't quite that bad. So, like, before we really meet Joel, uh, we we find, like, these uh, black marketeers who have uh, injured Tess, who's kind of like his partner in more ways than one. Um, and they're obviously extremely deathly afraid of what to do now that they've hurt Joel's partner. And so you can see in the reactions of the people around him that Joel is a very dangerous, like, person who's, like prone to violence um but that's not immediately the kind of person that we see in the prologue it's definitely adjacent like he's willing to like run people over in order to uh in, in order to get his daughter out um but it's like a crisis as the as the show continued to go on J- the, like Joel's propensity for violence kept on being mentioned but wasn't super concretely shown. And so I was worried that like, oh, like you you want an anti-hero type character. And so you have people talk about his violent past or what they did or what he feels guilty about. But if you're not going to show it to me, then that's like B minus C plus character building at best, you know? Um, but I <laughs> that that was a concern of mine in the middle of the series. And it was not a concern of mine by the end of the series, especially not at the end uh, like ending episode like they show exactly what joel is capable of um and he is sort of redeemed by the reasons that he does it like he's not shooting people because he wants more money or because he wants uh no any it's partic- extremely utilitarian yeah That's and yeah, he yeah and he doesn't like lot. like take particular joy in it and he's, he's doing it for another person but the fact remains that like <laughs> like a lot of people just don't possess that propensity for violence. Like, mm-hmm. even though they might care for another person just as much as Joel does, they might not be inclined to be able to do that to other people continuously, you know? Yeah. And uh, and Joel is. Joel is, like, just built different. It might actually well, Ellie be is psychopathy also like in that, that, that sense. Too. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know what I mean? They're kind of, like... At one point, the creators were said that, like, it it Ellie is more... His daughter than his actual daughter was mm-hmm. because they're so much alike in that way. Because like the first time we see him beat the shit up, beat that guy up, the the fucking what's that? What's
2: the uh? Like the, fascist It was group? just the guard. Yeah, the but what's the fascist Fedra? groups?
0: Oh, Fedra. Uh, Fedra. the Fedra guard okay. that he was like smuggling with earlier, and how we beat him to death. Um, and with you his look hands, the hands, dog. Yeah, he the p- camera pans over to ellie and she's kind of got this like smile like oh my god
2: like peeking over
0: things. you know what i mean so like they have their they're kindred spirits you know
1: and then her like little gun knife fetish yeah which yep. be like <laughs> which is like so concerning uh or when she finds the uh clicker or whatever infected in the basement of that garage like that scene is so good because it's yeah. so tense and you're worried that something is about to happen because this is the kind of show that it is. And like, like things always go wrong and things are always uh, like bad, you know? So I'm thinking like, Oh, she's looking at the the infected in front of her and she's not noticing the ones that sneaking up behind her or it's, it's arm isn't as trapped as she thinks it is. Um, and that's not the case at all. It was just a opportunity, to show us her inner character, she like what she does when no one is around. She you know what I mean? Like even, even when no one's looking at her, even when she doesn't have anything to prove to anyone else, she like kind of toyed with this infected yeah. in the, in, in, in like the underground space and then stabbed it in the head and then didn't even mention it to Joel, yeah. <laughs> you know? And later that makes more sense. She's not just a psychopath because she's lost people that she loves um, to the infected. So she has like a re like a, a valid reason to hate them, you know, uh, like a a, a a predisposition to hating them. Yeah. Uh, but it was just such a good scene because like in so many horror movies, it's like, oh, this girl isn't as afraid as she should be of something. And then, boom, she loses a hand or, you know what I mean? Or and now yeah. Joel has to come and save her. And that just wasn't the fucking case. And it was such an excellent subversion of what my expectations were for how that scene was going to go down and what it was going to do for her character.
0: The creators talked about how, because Joel is not necessarily, like, this amazing, like, combat, like, badass. Like, he's an he's old He's not a dude. John Wick. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? He, yeah, he's not a John Wick. And the, the philosophy, they said, was for, like, behind Joel um, was this quote from uh, a Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. movie. And uh the quote is, I've always been lucky when it comes to killing folks. And I'm like, it it oh mm-hmm. it that fits so perfectly. You know what I mean? Like they, they brought the spirit of that to life so perfectly, Angel. Um yeah.
2: One thing I wanted to talk about was mentioned like the very first episode of the podcast on the obviously like the episodes of the podcast reflect like they're they're released immediately after the um episodes of the show so in the first episode when we talk about like cordyceps in general and the way they framed the first episode how they have the the 60s talk show where they're talking about cordyceps um and that it wasn't they intentionally they had that there because they didn't want it to just be something that like conveniently happens, you know? Like, oh wow, now there's this zombie outbreak because this thing happened over a course of days, but like that they knew it was going to happen and they did nothing about it. And um just, you know, how poignant that is. Now not just in the wake of the pandemic, but in the the wake of like everything bad that's happening. Like we all know it's going to happen. We are aware of the crises that will be here very soon. Um, you know, like for just a, a couple examples, another possible pandemic, um, the um, crumbling of the actual planet, you know, that we've known about for decades and, and just don't do anything about because it's not convenient for us right now, Um and so I thought that was really beautiful that they they, uh, they all knew, like we all knew, that it was a possibility that this thing happens and we just didn't do anything about it. Um, even though we knew that this could wipe out the entirety of the human race, we're okay to just, you know, be fine with doing nothing. To the point where you have to bomb cities... <laughs> just to stop the spread, and then it doesn't even work. Um, I don't know. I thought that was really beautiful, the way they framed that. Um, The way that they chose to add things in and um, enhance the story in a way that they couldn't have in the video game. Um, I just, I really, really loved that. And it was, it's one of the very first things I wrote down at all. It was something that really hit me just the uh, idea of that. And I just kept thinking of uh, World War Z and <laughs> how uh, accurate of a prediction Max Brooks had in uh, what the world would be like if if the supply chain stopped <laughs> working or, uh, you know, if there was like a viral outbreak of any kind. So okay. I thought that was really, really interesting. And... uh really terrifying honestly to think about that we we have the answers we have the keys we have the ability to stop whatever disasters we know for a fact are on their way and we don't because it's not convenient for us
1: i want to talk about the disaster in these games and this show in particular too because obviously what does the heavy lifting for this ip is the writing it's it's very good yeah. it resonates with people um, but at the same time, if this were just a a uh, a stock like factory-made uh, zombie apocalypse, I don't think that it would be as successful as it is. I think that there's something really neat and very poignant about cordyceps as a premise, and I'm yeah. a sucker for like a good high concept premise. And the way that, like the the time that they spend in this show, really showing you, like like both what cordyceps is. How it works and uh, the very early stages of how th- uh, an apocalypse like this would be possible logistically. I think we're all really well handled. Like specifically, the the interview at the beginning of the first episode is cool. It's it's Love a good it. uh, it's a good introduction to anyone who isn't familiar with what Cordyceps is. Um, to those poor wretched souls who haven't seen the jungle episode of Planet Earth. Um, go and fucking watch it and the uh, deep sea one with all the bioluminescent fish because those two are fucking bangers. Um, So yeah, that interview at the beginning of the first episode and then the, uh, I don't remember which episode it is, but that whole sequence with the, is it Malaysian or Indonesian? Yeah, it's episode um, two. uh, Professor of mycology and you get to see what, at least to us, uh, we believe to be patient zero uh, and like the whole like just bomb it. Like bomb the city. There's no vaccine. There is no cure. Let me go home and be with my family. I'm not even asking to be delivered from this death sentence. I've just passed on to everyone I work with and know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. So like, and it's I I've I've talked about this concept a few times, and as a writer, I'm I'm I really want to develop it. But this ability to juggle while like while you're storytelling, because there's a lot of stories that are very one track they're like they're only doing one thing at a time with any particular scene right like this is a fight scene and they fight or this is a drama scene and things are dramatic um and really good writing is able to do more than one thing at a time with the scene that you're looking at uh and these scenes are both like they're thematic in a way like if you want to like get into like the kind of literary idea of like what a zombie is and what a fungus is and does um they also are really good world building and really good characterization uh, for the people that are in them. Yeah, I don't know, dog. It's just really good. <laughs> Love that. And again, I'm category. a sucker for high concept premise and this is both Cordyceps as a zombie plague is just a golden idea. And there are sometimes golden ideas that aren't well executed and that's a shame. Um, or there are some well executed things that don't have that great an idea and they're they're usually pretty good. But the... the combination of the two. the maybe. quality of their of their idea kind of limits them and this is this franchise this ip the the games and the the show are just that rare combination where they're just both fucking hit and dog like yep. dual wielding so yep. nice
0: 100 percent. the costuming makeup and special effects that went into the uh infected are just amazing like so fucking good, the clickers are horrifying in the best way possible, like it's yeah, all of it's super good, and I like that they included like the clickers and the bloater, um but they didn't it wasn't too heavy handed, you know what I mean, mm. it was very like. They didn't you gamify
1: know? the show too much, yeah. Yeah,
0: because and there were certain points where like we'd be watching like, all right, that looks like a, a scene from the game. You know what I mean? You could kind of tell sometimes if you're if you've played a lot of video games. Like, not that it like detracted mm. from the story, but you could kind of tell in moments you were like, okay, this looks like a, a video game.
2: But they like, did that on purpose moment. in some areas too.
0: Yeah, and so as a
2: love letter to the games. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. And so they definitely, definitely showed. That they really understand what things from the game work and what things needed to change for the screen, which I feel like we have a string of uh, video game movies and TV shows are, like, notoriously not good, you know? They're having um,
1: a renaissance, though, dude. Yeah. Castlevania Arcane this show um, like that's th- like those three alone those are some banger fucking shows yeah. from the last 2 years and they're all video game adaptations well and, which they, is and nuts. the
0: thing is too like if you look at Castlevania and compared to the games like it's not it's not the same it's it, it's sure, taking sure, the sure. you know the same thing with Arcane like it's not i mean like it's it's a little bit weird with Arcane because there's not really like much story you know but this one it it used everything that worked from the game and nothing that it that wouldn't have worked for the screen and they just did it perfectly and i think there's nothing better that there's no better example of that than uh the uh frank and what's the other guy's name
2: bill and frank
0: bill and frank story Episode
2: 3
0: yeah episode 3 up.
1: that i don't want to cry <gasps> right now i don't want to talk about it hoo hoo
0: well,
1: like can we keep, can we put some goddamn respect, put some respect on, on nick Offerman's name, name? <laughs> like because, just just playing that on a razor's edge like conspiracy just, prepper nut slash gentleman who likes to play piano and isn't secure in his own sexuality until someone comes along who can help him explore it you know what i mean like that is a nuanced fucking character and god it's just so believable yeah. with both of them but nick offerman in particular like he's just ugh. yeah it just oh
0: my god. when he when he looks up at him and he says I was never afraid until you came along. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh. It's just, I can't, I can't even, I can't talk about it even. It's so fucking good. Just so simple. Mm. Right after, because I was right after they had the strawberries, right?
2: The strawberry moment. Oh when they say God. in the podcast they're talking about it. So fucking the good. Love is accepting that you're going to feel pain. Um but then it comes with this beautiful strawberry moment and like that is such a beautiful beautiful quote from the podcast um i the idea i don't know they talk about it on like the last episode of the podcast that so many people were like calling up episode 3 filler because it's nothing that's explained really in the game it's based <laughs> off of like a line <laughs> and they call it filler but um they were like this is if you watch the whole show and you still think episode 3 is filler then you've missed the entire point of the show you're out of your
1: goddamn mind because... both both thematically and quality yeah that's insane that anyone would say
2: that because episode 3 it it gives you the whole story of the show it tells you that like it it goes across their whole lives together from when they meet um and when all the way until the point where they have to they give you everything up for each other, Bill gives everything for Frank because Frank can't continue going on, and so he gives it because he wouldn't have what is life without the one you love, the person you love it's the, the most abstract in world. of a thesis you know and it's absolutely because the show is about Joel. And Ellie, and the fact that Joel, like, there is nothing else in this world left for him except for Ellie. And Ellie is nothing without Joel. She says it over and over again, um, that if he dies, that she's dead. There's nothing, like, and it's whether or not that's true, whether or not that's true in like a, a literal, like, survival sense, like, she cannot survive without him, she knows she also can't emotionally like she could not even if she could mm. hunt on her own and trek across the entire united states on her own she physically could or she emotionally could not do it without joel like there would be no point in her living because there's there's no one to save there's no one important enough to save um and same with joel there's no one important enough to save without ellie and um that's why he saves her in the end is because the rest of humankind isn't worth it. And, Joel- and really
1: important too about the third episode is that they <clears throat> often like like romance or uh like romantic attachments in in media are kind of reserved for very pretty straight people. You know what I'm saying? And so like it's like like it, it's almost impossible in in most media or at least nobody people don't put a lot of effort into making really good quality romance between old people between gay people between people that don't that like might not make a large portion of the audience horny just by looking at them you know what i mean um and that's a shame because the vast majority of uh human love is going to be like like and romantic love specifically is going to be between people that uh like either one or two people that you wouldn't personally be attracted to for whatever reason maybe their gender or their age or their comparative attractiveness or whatever you know what i mean and so uh and and no hate to anybody who is sexually attracted to Nick Offerman and whatever the other actor's name is um but like yeah it like it, it's just good it's just really good well and it just
0: it shows a kind of love that it doesn't talk we don't talk about enough is that like long-term sustained love over that
1: commitment
0: decades, love, dog.
2: that investment
1: I mean? love yeah
2: well that was the point of telling that story right was that craig wanted to tell that story of of him he episode three is kind of like a love letter to his wife in that um he wanted to show what it's like to love across a lifetime instead of just like the first two years or like right up until happily ever after which is never happily ever after it's just like until you reach a certain point and then you have the rest of your life to live together and i think it's really important especially in our like world culture now of like immediate gratification just like you have to be happy now and you have to um have the perfect relationship and you have to stay as in love as you were the first three months of your relationship um, for the rest of your lives. And some people are able to achieve um a semblance of that love, like what looks like that kind of love on the outside, but because they've worked through a lifetime of that, you know, but also, um, I don't know. They they do it perfectly by, and they talk about this also on the podcast, just that um, they have this really tender moment of the first time they make love. And then it cuts immediately to like, oh, fuck off. Like I want to end up like fighting over what mm. we go into as an audience thinking, oh, is this a relationship ending fight? And it's not. It's something over a lifetime that seems kind of superficial but um, really delves into who they are as characters and as people. But um, it's, I don't know, it's so important for us to see that kind of love that not everything is, I, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe because of course, of course not everything is roses for your whole relationship, you know? Of course it's not, but like you're living with another person and you're not going to always be 100% happy with that person you know um and it's not just like I don't know it's, it's one of those things where you can't describe it until you've been in there and I obviously haven't been married for 50 years but um I think it's it's important to see that kind of love portrayed because we don't we don't ever get it you know I feel like I feel like I don't ever see that in media. Um and it just it makes sense that um that we need to see it more and um that just like long-term relationships and how they work and what they're like being represented so that we have that expectation and that we don't grow up thinking that you fall in love with this person that you met when you were in your twenties, and then when you're seventy, you still have to be with this person that you chose. You know, like more than a lifetime ago. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's really important that we see that kind of love. Yeah. Mm. Um. I guess that's episode three. I'm trying to think; they all kind of blend together for <laughs> me because we binged it, but um. I, let's talk about Sam and Henry, that fraternal love. What kind of um, feelings did we have about Sam and Henry? Because I really loved them and it, I don't know. Um, it's almost a shame. Wait, am I tripping? Who's come? Sam Hen-
1: Huh? Who, who are, who is this?
2: The brothers. Two brothers.
0: Deaf kid and his older brother.
1: Oh, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it. Um. They did be brothers.
0: It's almost a shame that that happened after. Bill and Frank. Because Bill and Frank were just so. So good. That like. In any other moment. That would have been an amazing. Like. Heartbreaking thing to happen. And like. Their. Arc I guess you would call it. Their story arc is very tragic. But. But. After Bill and Frank, I was just like, I don't know. I I almost wish that they would have been reversed.
2: That you didn't have that kind of like emotional capacity, emotional bandwidth to like care about them as much. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, it's the way that it's written in the story. Like they weren't going to be able to do without. I mean, unless they changed the story more than they wanted to, but. I thought it was interesting just like the reflection that in all of these relationships, it's better to die than to live without the one you love. Um, That Henry had to kill Sam because it was instinct. Like that's what you do. You kill a zombie that's attacking another person. Like because they're not coming back. Even though as it's portrayed, um, Sam it happens exactly as he feared that he is still inside, that um you are still cognizant in the mind of the cordyceps when it becomes a killing machine, and um that uh, I don't know, that Henry had to kill him instinctually and you know, making the quote unquote right decision. But that he kills himself in the end, in the show at least, um, because he would rather die than live without his brother because he is his purpose. Um, And it's just so tragic. (laughs) Just every relationship is like this. I don't know. Um, I did want to talk about one last thing, I guess, just that... That... um, I guess putting a period at the end of the sentence of like that life is worthless without the per the person that is your purpose. Um, the last episode that they have uh, Anna who is played by Ashley. I can't remember her name. <laughs> the one who plays Ellie in the video games. Um, just incredible performance and what they talked about on the podcast. Um, they had her there and they talked a lot about what it was like for her to play Ellie's mother after playing and after being Ellie really. And um, I thought it was so poignant that they did that and they met, they made that choice that um, she would be the one to play her mother. in, you know, like another dimension that really Ellie is giving birth to herself, (laughs) which is wild. Um, And it just, that idea of like life is purposeless without the one you love that she that ellie's that anna uh ellie's mother was going to die no matter what but that she um requested that ellie live even though there was that risk that um ellie would become a cordyceps because she was bitten before the cord was cut even though um Anna lies and, um, tells Marlene that she was born before or that, that she was, yeah, that she, the cord was cut before she was bitten and, um, just so that she can die with the, the knowledge that there's a chance that her daughter lives, that there's a chance that she, she gives her the world, you know? knowing full well that if this baby does turn she could kill Marlene and everyone there and uh i don't know i i just love this idea of of every kind of love being portrayed in this show um of every kind of passion being portrayed um down to the very the very end um of being the father and the the daughter and then the mother and the daughter relationship. Um and I think it's it's so important that we see these kinds of love portrayed and that we I don't know, that we accept that that they're there and that we try and find that in our own lives. Um I don't know. I really like I'll the show like, so
0: it it's hard it it, it it con- it contrasts this like need for love and this thesis on like the different kinds of loves with like the horrible awful things that people mm. will do to each other um like his daughter Joel's daughter Sarah dies at the hand of a soldier who admittedly is following orders but mm. she's not killed by the zombies she's killed by, by a people. human you know what I mean and like the thing that happened to Ellie with the religious camp happened because of people and
2: mm.
0: e- or even Henry giving up the, the rebel leaders brother. I can't remember her name. Like all of the most heinous things that happened in the show happen at the hands of people. And so it's like, how can you trust anybody to hold your heart? You know what I mean? Like once you've been traumatized in a certain way, you will do anything you'll you, you'll irrationally fight to the very end to avoid being hurt like that again you know what i mean and so it i think i think that like even though that's the opposite of like this thesis on love i think it complements it because mm. again not everything that comes from love is good And it's like this yin and yang that like sits in the balance. Um, and I think that's, that's right where the last of us sits is right in the center of that yin and yang.
2: Um, there was a quote. I can't remember. I think it was Craig that says it in the very last episode. He says, um, that we have to sit in the, like the last episode makes you sit in the discomfort and uncertainty of the choices that were made because that's kind of the point. Um, That's kind of the point of the show is that we're meant to look at our relationships and see that we aren't perfect. And um, that, I don't know, we have to love, but we have to also understand that as flawed human beings, we can't really make a right choice. And um, I don't know, I feel like I can't... i can't do it justice just listen to the podcast <laughs> just watch the show um just listen to what they have to say because um we need to i don't know love each other but also uh realize that we're all different and that we we need different things i don't know
1: love each other in the way that gets the most people violently killed
2: yeah absolutely
0: Well, I don't know if this, this is probably on Letterbox, right? It is not. All right, well, I guess we're skipping that and going right into poems. (laughs) Who wants to go first? I'll
2: go first. All right. Okay. Tell me there's a garden in the west somewhere. Tell me there's a, a haven where no one needs saving and the children all grow up. Take me to the place where we can cure the last of us. where forgiveness is the only medicine we'll need.
0: Mm. Mm. Bars. Bars. I need to get like I'll an go. insert snapping noise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just a ton of people snapping. Um, a lover's fingertips barely grazing the skin, sweeping up goose limbs and up the braided spine. Rude blush, close my eyes, blow my mind out my frontal cortex. I'll bloom for you if you ask. I'll die for you even if you don't. Gasp at the touch, bite me where it hurts. Grow old in movements and moments. Clumsy but fast, never leave me. Until we fuse together on the rose-patterned walls, and it's still you inside, and it's still me. At last, just us. Damn. That was really
0: good. Yeah, that was great. You should have gone last, because mine's not that good. (laughs) Um, okay, mushrooms grow straight up through my skull, begging for sunshine. They're so tired of blank, or sorry, they're so tired of black veins and crinkled muscles. So bored of keyboards clacking and well insulated ribs. Just one bite, and the world is ours.
1: Ooh, I like I the like insulated it. ribs.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite. Well, I ghouls. Line
1: you're tired. We're tired. Go watch this if you haven't already. <laughs> it's so I don't know why so you'd be listening good. to this if you haven't, but it's really good.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm right. going to go play the game.
1: <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs>
2: and then watch the show again.
0: <laughs> oh, shit.
2: Oh, shit.
0: All right, girls. We love you. The music's by The Great Chase, I guess. I think we're doing is 1984 the next 1984
2: episode. 1984 by George Orwell. So go do your homework if you didn't in Wait high school. We've been telling you to read the book <laughs> for a hot minute, so it's your
0: own fault.
2: Yeah. All right, All right goals. goals. Thanks for tagging along. Goodbye, goodbye, good 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 goals.